You are listening to the Queer Yid Podcast, where we share the stories of LGBTQ Jews from religious backgrounds. My name is Hannah Peterson, and today I'm speaking with the incredible Jason Greenspan. A Balchuva from Skokie, Illinois, Jason's story takes him to Yeshivat Har Etzion in the Gush, where, with a bit of help from Oscar Wilde, he came to embrace his queer identity. Today, Jason is a volunteer for Billy Benu, Iggy's Beit Medrash program, linked in the description, as well as an active member of Chavruta and volunteer for Shoval. In this episode, Jason and I speak about bisexuality, halacha, and creating queer, Torah-oriented spaces. Without further ado, meet Jason. Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Hi, Chana. Thank you for uh, having me. I grew up in Skokie, Illinois, which is next to Chicago, um, until I was 18. Um, and now I live in Israel where I moved then. I, uh, grew up in like a mixed, like a, uh, Baal Tshuva sort of family going to Salman Schechter as a kid. And then to, uh, which is a conservative day school. And then I went to a modern Orthodox high school. Um, and that was, I guess, the community that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and was your family active in religious life growing up? Um, in a sense, meaning like they would go to, we went to like shul every week. And like then when I was in high school more, so like I started going myself to uh, Minion like more regularly during the week as well. Um, like when I wasn't in school. Um, but like definitely, you know, Shul on Shabbat was very important. And when I was very young, we would walk. Like when we started keeping Shabbat, we would walk, you know, 30 something minutes to a Shul. And then there was a Shul much closer to us that we started going to, which was a lot better. Not having <laughs> to walk for so long. Um, so that was, that was kind of the vibe, but it was, it was definitely a build because the, I don't, you know, some people, for some people, like the Balachuva process is very, uh, quick like you know thing and then for us it was more of like a whole process um starting to do some things more and some you know like over mm-hmm. time um as I was growing up um as somebody who went through the Balchua process myself um it's interesting to me to hear what was your family's process like and how old were you when when that started to happen so I guess it started when I was in kindergarten meaning all I said I like went to uh, conservative day school and so all my older siblings did as well even though when they were sent there my family like didn't keep kosher and didn't keep shabbat and whatever and then it just kind of it was I guess a few sort of simultaneous uh things that meaning one of my brothers I'm the youngest one of my mm-hmm. brothers started like learning about shabbat and kosher in school and my sister started becoming more involved um with NCSY and just like the conglomeration of those sort of things meant that we started keeping Shabbat and, and Kashrut at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, my parents learned more about it. And we just kind of, everyone was building over time. So basically from the time that I was in elementary school, we were we were doing both those things, but still there was like a lot more to learn because it wasn't like a, mm-hmm. a, a book that you just kind of went through and uh, one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was it like for you having your family go through those changes? Were you excited by the new Jewish practices you were taking on? Was it difficult, a mix? 
<laughs> that's actually really interesting. I don't know if I've really thought about it so much, um, but uh, I think at the beginning it was definitely I me. Mean, both at the beginning and also later, it was uh, it was like exciting. I remember like my brother showing me like the thirty nine milachod and like explaining to me like how I couldn't watch TV like Shabbat morning anymore and things like that. And I, there was something kind of exciting about it. I didn't think of it at the time. I think I was too young, maybe at the time, to like think about it negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, like I understood that it meant that we couldn't do certain. We couldn't go to McDonald's anymore. We couldn't do certain things. But like for the most part. Um, you know, I thought it was something positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, as I got older, I kind of went through my own journey sort of thing. Like as in, like when I was in middle school and high school, I went like in my own sort of exploratory journey of like learning more Torah and like, you know, being in more like from spaces. Um, and and that also helped. Like uh, that kind of was like a revival sort of mm-hmm. excitement. And was that because of the school that you were in or did you seek out those spaces? I guess it was actually kind of this, especially in middle school, it was kind of despite um, the school that I was in, as in I was, I went to a conservative uh, elementary school, like I said. So then in like sixth grade, I started going to uh, NCSY and like becoming more in like an Orthodox uh, Mm -hmm. background. So then me, even though my family at that time was like an Orthodox family in a conservative school and we weren't the only ones, um, it still meant that like, it was like some sort of in between Mm -hmm. uh, place. And then when it was kind of developing my own, my own journey with it so then by the time I, I went to high school um I like chose to go to the Mabin Orthodox high school where like as in my older two siblings went to public school and like mm-hmm. it was it was you know it's something I'd taken on myself in a way once you were in the modern orthodox high school um that's like a pretty big shift from being like the orthodox family in a conservative school to being like the Balchuva kid in the orthodox <laughs> school like <laughs> um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um uh, what was that like? So, yeah, so that was actually kind of weird. I think, I think especially in ninth grade after, like ninth grade, the first grade of high school is kind of, I kind of went in a, and 10th grade, I kind of went in a reversal in a certain way. Like I had been wearing tzitzis, you know, since uh, fifth grade and like, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like in ninth grade, I stopped wearing tzitzis because like the teacher said that like, you had to wear tzitzis and like, you got like bonus <laughs> credit for like wearing tzitzis. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, I'm not doing this. Um, and then like, I remember I have like a distinct memory in like 10th grade of this girl, uh, giving me cookies. Uh, it was in a school and she was giving me cookies and she's like, make a bracha. And I was like, no, and I just like took a cookie and like fit into it. Um, which like looking back on it was like total, uh, you know, like my rebellious, rebellious phase. Um, so rebellious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, so I guess like in a certain way, I think maybe I kind of liked the fact that I had been in like this like special mm-hmm. sort of place. And then like, I kind of experienced it a little uh, differently, but then, then kind of later in like 11th and 12th grade, I actually kind of once again was set into my own um, like mode uh, that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really know, like looking back, I don't really know where to attribute that to. Like, I don't know if it was like, you know, the mixed background that I had come from that like, caused me to maybe think about things differently or really just like I kind of liked being different in a certain way so like when I had been in middle school like it it was it felt nice being the like from kid you know who are sisters mm-hmm. and a black keeper and then like in high school it like was you know me trying to be different in a, a different sort of way even though honestly you know 
even the kids who grew up non-Orthodox in my high school, not all of them were wearing tzitzis or making brachas either. So uh, mm-hmm. I hear that. definitely that. It's always interesting to me that a lot of the queer people I know kind of have that same like counter culture, like drive in them. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this is just like anecdotally I'm, I'm connecting the two or if there is something to it, like knowing that you're a little bit different that kind of pushes you to like revel in that difference. But. Right. It's funny because definitely at the time, at the time I was very not self-aware in like any good mm-hmm. terms of my sexuality. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that later, but uh, just, yeah, like I, I just, I think all we, I, I definitely know what you're talking about, not even in that context. Like I just always felt like in a lot of my choices in life, I always wanted something like a little, a little different. Like if I was buying, you know, like in, high, in my high school, like everyone wore like Birkenstocks and they all wore like <laughs> the same Birkenstocks. And I, so I bought, I bought, but I bought like a different color than everyone else mm-hmm. was wearing or like, uh, you know, living in Israel, like a few years ago, like uh, Blundstone was like a really popular boot. So I got mm-hmm. Blundstones, but I got a different color than like, I don't know, just <laughs> these small, small differences that I've, I've always really liked. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, apropos your queer story. Um, at what point does your queer story begin? Um, so in a, in a way it begins in high school. Um, you know, I think thinking back to, uh, ninth grade, um, being then, you know, as a teenager, hormones, et cetera. And I like started realizing kind of that, um, you know, in, like the different fantasies kind of coming up in my head were not necessarily all about uh, girls in my class or not necessarily about women. They were also about guys in my class. Um, and and that was something that in different ways throughout high school, I, I, I struggled with. Am I gay? Am I not gay? Um, I have a very distinct memory um, in 12th grade of opening this like online journal that like nobody could like log into sort of thing and like typing out the words am I gay and just really kind of struggling with that but it it, the whole time being very confused because I'm like oh I have a girlfriend I had a a girlfriend both in ninth grade and 12th grade and like and was like attracted to them and everything um and so that was just that constant back and forth of not understanding um and only like a few years later did it really um settle on me and like it was like this genesis moment of that oh I'm bi and that this is a thing that like I can be bi and that was like kind of that confusion that I experienced was like actually kind of summed up my experience that like I didn't need to choose so to say between my attraction to men and my attraction Mm -hmm. to women Uh, but it definitely definitely I remember like in ninth grade like that was like the beginning of the confusion Okay, so we're going to get there. We're going to get to to your like aha moment. Um, But while Jason is still in high school, um, you're clearly aware enough to be asking the question of am I gay or not? Um, But can you walk me through like what was going on in your life at that time in your head? Um, Was this something that was taking up a lot of your time and a lot of your emotional space or was it something that you were like relegating to certain corners um 
Um, I don't think I was really um, obsessing about it per se. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's funny when I think back also, um, I don't think like I, I thought of, you know, like, I, I don't know if it was like my background or whatever. Like, I, don't, I didn't really think of being gay as like something bad or like us or even like, I don't remember. I, I, maybe it was because I didn't go to modern Orthodox middle school, uh, but I don't ever remember actually being properly taught like, like, like Isur Mishkab Zahar or like something like that. Like it was something I think eventually I like learned and you know, kind of know it exists, mm -hmm. but like in my middle school for sure, they were very um, like open about like homosexuality being a thing. Um, but it, did, it definitely seemed to just confuse me because in my head, in ninth grade at least, like, I don't know, the other guys in my grade didn't talk about like their fantasies of men and they and they definitely and people definitely called each other gay as like an insult mm -hmm. um and I even remember and I hate when I think back to this like I remember in ninth grade calling somebody else gay as an insult and it was like a real like uh like what was I doing sort of moment mm -hmm. um and but so, so it was also kind of confusing like trying figuring out like why were these things like why were these thoughts kind of occasionally like coming up and like why did like I maybe feel this sort of like attraction almost like towards like a friend mm -hmm. um but in my day-to-day -day, I guess um definitely it wasn't something I was really thinking about um and it definitely wasn't something that I think I was like uh being really stressed over that like oh this like says something about me mm -hmm. got it so you're saying it was just confusing when it came up but it wasn't necessarily something that like caused you anguish or right yeah okay um, so what happens after high school <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so uh after high school i um like many people in my my grade i decide to go to israel for the year mm -hmm. um which like in my grade uh, almost like 90 percent, i think of the grade did that on different different programs um I went to uh, a yeshiva, a Hezri yeshiva, it's called Haritzion, and the Gush, some people know it as. Um, and uh, I just fell in love with the place. Um, and all of a sudden, like, I just was, like, really into this new experience that I had never had. Like, because in high school, I never, like, felt like I really learned Torah. All of a sudden, like, t then we were learning Torah all day, and that was all we did, and all all I could kind of think about in a, in a way. And like, I was kind of refreshing. Like, cause I think even though like kind of in like the, the queer uh, angle, even though like it hadn't been something that I was like obsessing about, it was definitely in like the back of my head. And then all of a sudden I had this like spiritual distraction mm -hmm. to not think about, like, as in just, you know, like I would, I was like, very early in the Beit Midrash, you know, before Shachrit. And like, I would, I would, I would not stay late. Like after like we, like the night seder ended at 11, but then I would like go straight to bed so that I would have enough energy like the next day. And like, it's really trying to maximize um, that experience. And I think in retrospect, a part of that was like the escape maybe that it provided for me. I mean, I genuinely enjoyed it and I ended up staying there for a very long time. And, but I think mm -hmm. in a sense, part of the enjoyment was also the escape that it provided mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. When I think that even taking it outside of like the realm of, 
of one's queer identities. There's something really powerful about these um, like communal transcendent experiences um, that seems to almost like do away with the rest of life's stresses. Um, right. I mean, also something that I, like I had, you know, obviously like I had like friends in high school, like close friends or whatever, but it seemed to me like my friends that I met in, in that year in Yeshiva, that first year, were like a different level of like friendship. Meaning we were like, had a lot more similar interests, a lot more like similar like life goals in a way, like just kind yeah. of on, a lot more on the same page. And we also spent all day with each other. Like I, you know, <laughs> I, I remember realizing this at some point, like I knew the wardrobe of every person <laughs> just because like I just like kind of subconsciously processed you know what everyone was wearing and like you know um, I just and like in a way that like I think like in high school or you know before that I'm like you know you see people you know you show up to school at eight and you leave like an afternoon and like mm-hmm. you're not constantly in each other's lives and then all of a sudden just everyone like all, mm-hmm. all the time uh, together okay so you said that you went to Hezri Yeshiva. So that's a five-year program? Right. So it's a five-year program. Meaning I went to a Hezri Yeshiva as an American. They have an mm-hmm. American program. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but you weren't um, doing the army at that point. I wasn't doing the army at that point. I did, though, then decide to... I decided to stay a second year, which uh, a good amount of the Americans um, do. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then in the middle of my second year, I decided actually I wanted to stay in Israel. Um, it had been something that I thought about for a while. I even thought about in high school. Um, mm-hmm. And then like it finally became real. Um, so then I proceeded to, you know, join the army that summer. Um, in Hester, you do the army for a year and a half. And then afterwards, I, I went back to Yeshiva for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was the Hester. And then, and then over time, being like, in my first year and two, like me, most of my friends there uh, were American. Um, but then, you know, I just kind of became really part of like the, the place. And like, you know, my friends shifted to being mostly Israeli. Um, and that was like my experience. So you've decided that you're going to stay in Yeshiva. You make Aliyah, you join the army. Um, what happens next? Um, so I joined the army, uh, I was a non-combat soldier, um, and I, uh, non-combat soldier, I, yeah, in a, in a, a job, like I worked, I ended up actually being in a position with two, uh, two friends of mine, <laughs> which was fun. And we, we all chose, we were all Olim and we all chose to live in the yeshiva and we like went back and forth, um, which uh, was a long commute because we were commuting to Ramat Gan. So it's like a two hour commute. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I loved it. I don't know. I, like we had like a good time and we would come back and we would learn night seder in the yeshiva. Um, and I felt like I had two days. Like I had my morning in the army and my nights in the, uh, in the yeshiva. And then, and then that just kind of added to like my experience of just kind mm-hmm. of always being there and like just once again, kind of like really throwing myself in. Um, then I finished the army, went back to yeshiva. Um, and then when I was when I was in my fourth year of meaning as in the year after I, I finished the army, mm-hmm. um, that was I think when the the like nice sealed container of my sexuality that I've been repressing started to crack a bit. 
Um, all of a sudden, like it was something that I, you know, I'd kind of like, I'd, I mean, basically what I had done and I, I kind of realized that over the time, I had kind of just repressed a lot of my thoughts in general, like, you know, sexual tension and sexual thoughts, mm-hmm. because for me, the way I then explained it to myself was not that it was like, oh, I'm attracted to men and being my attraction to men is bad. It was that, no, I'm just like a really, a, a generally attracted to people person. Mm-hmm. And like, that is like, that is like the Yetzirah and like sexual thing. And I just need to kind of uh, repress that. Um, was that a message that you were getting from what you were learning from being Yeshiva? Or is that something that you came to on your own? I think that was really something I came to on my own. I actually mm-hmm. remember in my second year being a little frustrated that for good or for bad um, topics of sexuality, I mean, not just like a sexual identity, but sexuality in general, it was like, they just did not really talk about there, which like I, the reason I say for good is because some places really obsess about it. Mm-hmm. And like, so it just wasn't something they, they, they discussed. Um, but it also meant that, you know, each person kind of might do with that what they what they will. And and for me, like my self-interpretation, self-religious response basically was just kind of to repress all of that. Um, and so so the cracks of that, like, nice little box that I put it all in kind of started uh, breaking as I in my, was in my fourth year. What was um, the what was the impetus for these cracks starting to appear? So um, I guess it was just that I had like I'd kind of like tricked myself into like I I'd basically I mean, I'd basically gone these like great four months where I'd actually at the time uh, where I'd actually like really had no like sexual thoughts. And it was like this crazy feat of mine. Um, And it wasn't something that I discussed with anyone, but it was something that I really kind of like worked on myself over time to like kind of just eliminate it from myself. And then all of a sudden it like really hit me after those four months. And like, as in my, my streak had been broken. Mm -hmm. And then I like realized at that moment that it was like the four months, like after I finished the army, basically those four months. And then, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, like when that like streak had been broken, I re- realized that like, this is not the right way to like approach this, that I, you know, I can't just like try and not think about it. Not like, and, 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 and in a sense succeeded, but like not in a very healthy way. Right. Um, so, and and also definitely not in a very tenable way. Meaning, like, going yeah. from streak to streak is not is not the the right way of doing anything. Um, and so that was kind of something that I was I wasn't really sure how to answer, you know, at the time. Um, and I like kind of, yeah, and like it was just kind of then, but it was then more on my mind over the next few months. Mm-hmm. Um, so then in the in the next year, um, in my fifth- that point yeah. um was the question of of your attractions to men coming up or was it just any sexual attraction that you so, realize like it's not tenable to just pretend like i have no attractions whatsoever 
it was really just any attraction. Mm-hmm. And and it's still still at that point, I was so head in the sand that I did not really think about it as attraction to men. Okay. Um, it was only like a few months later, and I, this is like my like genesis moment, the way I remember it. Okay. Was I, it was this Shabbat afternoon and I was reading just kind of randomly somebody like, oh, no, no, I remember what it was. I had like been home for like a month over vacation. And then mm-hmm. I brought back some like classics, one of which was the picture of Dorian Gray. And so I'm just reading it and like without really thinking anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then Shabbat afternoon, I'm just reading it. And uh, for those who don't know, the picture of Dorian Gray is in part, you know, uh, it's written by Oscar Wilde, who was like, who was gay. And in part, it describes the attraction of Basil to Dorian. And he uses really intense language to describe um, his feelings for, towards him. And I'm just sitting there Shabbat afternoon reading. I remember these like two paragraphs and I just all of a sudden, like it just clicked for me that this is a feeling that I had felt before, like this deep attraction towards someone and not just like, you know, sexual fantasy or something like a deep attraction towards someone. And I, that feeling that I'd had had been towards a man, um, towards like a friend of mine. And when, uh, when that happened, it's funny because I've told this story before people are like, Oh, so like then, then you realized you were gay. And I was like, no, that, that was when I realized that was bi. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and like, I just like, all of a sudden it was like a, such a shame that it was Shabbat because like uh, people, like people who learn yeshivas have this like instinct to like underline with like a, a nice, like ruler, like, you know, important mm-hmm. lines to them in like the Gemara or something. And I really wanted to do that with this, these two paragraphs, which I then proceeded to do after Shabbat. Uh, um, but like, it just, you know, I had to wait like those few hours. Mm-hmm. And then like the next day, I remember like going to the library and like propping my computer up, you know, in a corner so that nobody could like see me and like opening up the, the Wikipedia page about bisexuality and just kind of reading it. And just every like line that I read felt more and more true. And it was weird because until then, I just really had not put the pieces together. And it kind of amazes me in retrospect because like they just all sort of added up mm-hmm. into my experience. Can we dig a little bit deeper into that? Like, what are these pieces, if you're comfortable discussing them, but more importantly, how did they add up for you in that moment, reading the book and then opening up the Wikipedia page? Mm. So, well, let's go back now a little bit. So right, right. I talked about kind of in high school, like these kind of sort of, you know, like thoughts like that I was having like on friends of different genders. And all of a sudden I realized that like, oh, that's what that was. That was like general attraction towards him and that was Mm -hmm. attraction towards her. And like, they were kind of the same and like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just me being a hormonal teenager. And and then that those feelings had kind of persisted throughout the years. And then on top of that, you know, I, that that friend that I had felt these feelings for that I read those two paragraphs in, in Dorian Gray. so perfectly, yeah. It's described so perfectly. So he had, he had been in Israel with me um, for a few years. And then when he left, he went back to America. When he left, it like, it broke my heart. I like, I was crying for two months basically. And I'd, 
and and just kind of processing those feelings all of a sudden i realized the meaning it hadn't at the time i had thought like oh it was just a really good friend that i had lost and like i mean we were still we were still in touch but i just at the you know like the, his his leaving was like really affecting me and then all of a sudden i realized that no that was not that was heartbreak that wasn't a loss of a friend that was something more yeah. and even though i guess at the time i hadn't um felt that towards um a woman, let's say, um, I, I, I could tell, I guess, on some sort of inherent level that I could, meaning from like similar attractions that I'd, I'd had towards, towards other people or towards like other women. Um, but like with him, it just had really been the pinnacle um, of like a, a first love, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so, so just kind of then comparing those two sort of things and also, and also reading about how a lot of times bi people realize this a little later and they're like, this is like a common experience of thinking I'm gay, thinking I'm straight, bisexuality not being an option. And then, oh no, like that, that's a thing. And just like that, that also made it set the pieces together for me. That really is a very powerful moment when you realize that you have language to describe your experiences. Um, at that point, after you'd been learning in yeshiva for a few years in Israel, had you been exposed to the fact that um, orthodoxy, rabbinical Judaism, is not exactly like keen on um, <laughs> on <laughs> non-heteronormative um, anything? <laughs> um, so at that point, I had realized that a bit. Uh-huh. Um, as in, in, in some ways, I'd uh, I'd been exposed a bit. I remember in my first year of, uh, of yeshiva, it was right before, um, or not right before, but like leading towards kind of the Supreme court decision in, uh, in the U S about, uh, yeah, about, about, um, same sex marriage. And, and I was, you know, talking about it with someone and he was like, I don't understand how anybody could support that. I'm like, I mean, if they're not Jewish, meaning at that point, I already understood that Judaism wasn't such a fan. Um, And, but I said, if they're not Jewish, like what's our, you know, like, why would we oppose that? And he's like, it's because it's an abomination. And I was just, I was just totally shocked. I was like, I didn't know people actually believe that sort of thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, um, But, but, but as from that point on, I started realizing that more and more people did, did believe that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, I also, in those, in those in-between years, meaning I had uh, three, three friends who I had learned in yeshiva with who came up to me as gay. Um, and uh, two of them became more involved in the queer community, the religious queer community in Israel. Um, and, and so I was like being also exposed on the, like the other side of like also the, the, real option of being gay and queer or sorry gay and religious um but i that was that was the funny misstep with when i said queer is that being queer being bi were not options that i was being exposed to right um so and and i remember like uh at the time around then was like also the uh like the first one of the earlier scandals of of Yigal Levenstein of like causing of calling um, gays uh, uh, so team mm-hmm. um, 
predators or something, yeah. you know, not a, not a uh, nice word. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then at the time, like me, I remember one of the Rosh Yeshiva got up and like gave a speech about how like, that's really wrong. Like, as in that mean, you got calling, them. Mm-hmm. calling like, as in that's not like, we should not treat gay people that way. Like mean gay people, even though it's complicated, whatever, like you have to treat them with like acceptance and love. And I remember being really reassured, reassured by hearing that meaning, uh, and, but it was funny because I were, was constantly hearing these things or, you know, my friends coming out experience, et cetera, as an outsider, like it was, I had not yet, um, internalized, identified, it in, mm-hmm. identified or internalized it into my own experience. Mm-hmm. So you're going through this experience of having friends come out and it's becoming part of the national and like the yeshiva level conversation. Um, but there, they're really only talking about gay people or straight people. Um, so at what point after you realized that you were bi, um, did you start having to square the two? Right. So that, uh, you know, moment in the library, mm-hmm. um, I realized, oh, great. I finally figured it all out. And then I was like, and now I have absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, I am going to continue dating women and exclusively women. And I will, uh, and that's it. Cause I can't tell anyone. And that is the end. I have discovered myself and there's nothing, you know, nobody will accept me. They'll accept the gays, you know, they'll accept gay people, but they won't accept bi people. Why um, did you think that? Because I think the, at the time, what I thought was, at the time I thought, I thought, I guess two things that mean the way a lot of the gay acceptance uh, operated was they have no other choice, no other option, you know, like, you know, they have to be in a relationship with somebody. Okay, fine. Like whatever. But if you're bi, so you have an option. And so that was both my interpretation of how like the, the discourse was going along. And then the second thing was, I also kind of thought that I had a choice, which was, which was a bit wrong. As in like, I didn't process that, like, even though I now discovered this about myself, that that didn't mean that I still would like maybe fall in love with somebody who was a guy and that like, that might be something that I need to deal with or that this isn't something that I can just keep bottled down now that I understand about myself. Because because right. until that point, meaning what I had been constantly struggling with over the, the years then had been even the self-discovery. So like I wasn't even prepared yet to deal with the questions of like, what do you do right. after? Then, um, you know, past, oh, I'd say, say around a year and a half or so, um, maybe going a year, a year and a half where, you know, I was still uh, only, only dating women, let's say. And, and it was starting to become like a little difficult, like as in knowing this thing about me, not feeling comfortable sharing it with, you know, anybody, mm-hmm. anybody, like I didn't tell anyone. Um, and then around a year and a half went by and I was like, mm, I really just need to tell somebody I me, mean, even if I don't end up doing anything with it, just, mm-hmm. This is, this is like a part of me because until then I hadn't really thought about it so much consciously, but all of a sudden, like it was there uh, once I realized. 
And so from that year and a half moment, it took me another like four or five months. Um, so now it's two years basically from my original Dorian Gray mm-hmm. um, to when I was finally going to tell somebody. Um, and I basically messaged a, a close friend who I thought, you know, would be understanding. Interestingly enough, I didn't think at the time to talk about it with my gay friends. I like, I wasn't sure necessarily how they would react. Um, um, so I chose like, like a, a straight friend who I thought, you know, would, would be, be understanding cool. and be cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And we basically, I mean, he invited me over. He was he was married and living in one of the like uh, apartments there at the mm-hmm. Ishiba, and he, he invited me over for Friday night dinner. And it ended up being this kind of he had invited other people over, and I, like I told him I wanted to speak with him, like I told him in advance. So it ended up being this very long night of me kind of sitting on my hands, waiting for the meal to be over, and then waiting for everyone to leave. And then finally the lights shut off in like the room and then everyone left, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, like as in like they're on a a timer. And then he's like, oh yeah. So like, that's a good cue for everyone else to leave. And then I Mm -hmm. stayed, Um, took me, you know, like a minute or so. And then, then I just kind of, you know, gasped out the words I'm by. And he, he hugged me and like, you know, we, both kind of started crying and it was like, a, and then we, then we talked about it and it was like a really good experience because until then there was like two years since I, I kind of realized that I could constantly pretend to myself that I had, I had made it up that like, I hadn't, that this realization that i had had wasn't true, that maybe I was actually straight or something. But then the moment the words came out of my mouth and I told them to another person, I, it just all of a sudden became true. Like there was no going back on it in a good way. Like as in like, it like made it feel even more real mm-hmm. than it had. Um, and that from that point on was then kind of like all of a sudden where I started being a lot more open about it, telling more people, mm-hmm. um, you know, telling my, my family, my, my parents, et cetera. I mean, it was, it was definitely took time. Yeah. Like that whole process uh, <laughs> for for many reasons but that was like all of a sudden like a, a total switch in mm-hmm. how I thought about it and how I then kind of approached it practically were you still in yeshiva at this time I was I mean I basically after I'd finished uh Hesder I then mm-hmm. stayed for another two years okay um I was also doing university part-time so this would be so- like at the towards the end of those two years right yeah this would be this was my last year there okay um so i guess i was 24 25 or something at the time Mm -hmm. um and yeah and so then then like all of a sudden like it just i felt like i kind of went zero to 60 almost like i'm just you know telling people and like i started going to different chavruta things like with chavruta the the gay um, Dutchy organization in Israel. Yeah, yeah religious organization in Israel. Um, and like all of a sudden, like it just totally changed how I had treated it because until then I had treated it as this really dark secret that I would just never tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And even then, as I was telling people, I still wasn't sure practically maybe what I was going to do with it, as in like whether or not I would start also dating men. Uh, men. Mm-hmm. But it just felt so good to be able to tell it to people and not be embarrassed. Yeah, I think that that's such a, that's such an important piece. Like um, that moment of being able to just express who you are really changes someone in a fundamental way. Um, right. Yeah. Um, meaning you're obviously exposing yourself maybe more. And especially I actually had a pretty good experience. I've been in coming out to people. I didn't really experience a lot of, you know, homophobic or biphobic mm-hmm. sort of uh, reactions. For the most part, I was really blessed with just mm-hmm. good support or even more than support, like real like encouragement almost. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely putting yourself out there. But what I loved about it is just like, I was just telling people something that was really true about me. And, you know, as we've described, like it was just part of my experience for the previous, you know, 12 something years of my life. Like it just, it had always been there. And I just had never talked about it with anyone. And finally I could share the same way I shared other things about myself, you know, about my hobbies or, you know, my interests, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that you started getting involved in Hafruta. So what was it like to enter a queer space? <laughs> so the first time, I really didn't know what to expect. Meaning, Chavrucha uh, has a, a group for younger people in Gush Etzion, um, mm-hmm. that one of these, these friends of mine had started. Um, and uh, I like, you know, like you've, you've, you've seen, you know, gay spaces, queer spaces on TV, et cetera. Like I really did not know kind of like what, what like was ever going to be dressed funny. I didn't really know like what. You expected everybody to show up in like there, tank like, tops with like rainbow flags. Is that what we're? <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, exactly. It was just like walked in. It was just a lot of people I actually happened to already know from around, mm-hmm. uh, which was, which was kind of funny. Um, and then also just, it was nice kind of meeting people and we just kind of were like I think the first time I went it was like a brunch and like you know we're making pancakes and smoothies or something um and there was also vegan pancakes um and it was just it was just kind of nice being in this space where I didn't tell anybody there that I was bi in retrospect maybe that meant that they assumed that I was gay I don't know um but (laughs) but it was just nice that it wasn't actually something we really discussed but everyone in the room was queer and religious mm-hmm. and it was just like I just kind of felt you know like it sounds almost cliche but I felt like I was with my people all of a sudden yeah uh, being in that space and it was really I just like couldn't wait to go back for more um, afterwards and I think that this kind of leads to another question that oftentimes comes up which is at any point did you feel a um contradiction or a clash between your religious identity and your queer identity? So I definitely felt um, many, a few struggles. I mean, as I kind of mentioned before, like at first I thought, felt that me, my religious identity was going to limit me from, you know, half my dating options in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, and it took me a lot of both self-introspection and um also um 
I mean, what I needed is like, for me, halakha is very important. Jewish law is very important to me. Like, it, like it's something that I enjoy following and it's something that I enjoy studying. So um, it was in that kind of, in the, around that time that all of a sudden I was like, hmm, maybe this is, and also in discussions kind of through this space, I was able to then meet other gay, queer Jews and religious, religious Jews and like discuss with them kind of, and like it, you know, started coming up and then also, you know, figuring out what to do with it. Because until then I had kind of thought that there was actually no real route as in that if I was going to choose um, to, to also start uh, dating men, then that meant that I was probably not going to need to be like, I was not going to be able to, um, exist in the confines of orthodox judaism as in i had at that point i had already read uh, at least once the uh the conservative movements um sock uh, mm-hmm. uh responsa about about homosexuality from 2006 which, which was really in depth and like i really connected to yeah and i felt like it i felt like i had done a good job of the sort of work that i was looking for of like Dealing with, dealing with the sources and just kind of, you know, turning them over and trying to understand what can be done and what can't be done because they, they, they didn't, you know, say everything was okay. Um, and, but I thought like, okay, so if I go that route, so that means that I'm not Orthodox, you know, like, like as in that there's no Orthodox rabbi or Orthodox community that would kind of accept. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That holophic ruling and and you're existing within it exactly Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden like in this space i was then introduced to people who did like who who found similar halakhic rulings and who lived with it in in harmony and felt that they were orthodox and felt that and the orthodox community considered them orthodox to do so i mean obviously Mm -hmm. not everyone right you know orthodox community is a pretty big uh place but but also (laughs) But yeah, big pool. But also for me, then, like on the on the side, I I heard of rabbis who I know and trust who had had given kind of uh, uh, you know authority for this sort of working mm-hmm. of you know and understanding. So like that also kind of added to the fact that oh, actually, I don't need to at this fork in the road that I had thought that I was going to have to, you know, go down. And like, mm-hmm. I was willing to go down in, in a sense, like I was willing to like, you know, go Forgo. after that, uh-huh. you know, for go to f- identifying as Orthodox and, you know, follow this, this conservative suck and like move on. But I was happy then that I didn't need to, that like, I felt like there was a way of within the halakhic system um, continuing in, in harmony, like the halakhic system that I knew continuing mm-hmm. in harmony. Why did you think that it was so important that you be able to explore the fullness of your identity, that you would be willing to forego the label of orthodox? Mm. I think, meaning at that point, I, I had realized that, um, at the very least, that whether or not I would actively search out to also date men, or the but maybe not, but at the very least open myself up to the possibility of it that, you know, maybe in this space, let's say maybe I would, you know, meet somebody who I wanted to date or something like that, that that was such a likely possibility. 
And that then needing to shut myself down again, the way I had shut myself down so many times in the previous years, because that's what halacha wants for me, or, you know, that's what God wants for me, was just not going to be tenable. And on top of that, I had also was starting to think in terms of God and like, could this really be what God wanted from me? And, and I just kind of realized that like, if I chose the conservative path, let's say that it would still be what God wants for me. Like, as in like, I, like I had convinced myself that even like, I wouldn't need, like, if I didn't identify as Orthodox, I, I would still feel like I was doing a religious Judaism that was following the word of God and following uh, a, a will of God. But um, it was like, I think maybe socially or like in a greater context, important for me to, to try and maintain that label um, of, of orthodoxy. Um, which is funny because I have friends who like, for them, like they hate that label and like they just run away from it as much as possible. But for me, I don't know, it was, it was important. So, so I did really, really kind of feel that struggle, but I just knew that like the other side, you know, of like not being orthodox wasn't actually going to break me. And that if I only tried to, you know, um, to stay in the lanes of orthodoxy without exploring how I could then, you know, maybe have a relationship with, with a man, um, that would break me. Uh-huh. Okay. That's a really, I think that's really the, um, deep and insightful response. Um, because I, this obviously hasn't been my experience. Um, mm -hmm. but I have a number of, of bi friends who have really been challenged themselves and by the people around them to sort of be like, well, does it really matter? Like, do you really have to do it? Um, so thank you for sharing um, your your thoughts and your experience on that. For sure. Um, okay, so you're engaging in this um, halachic exploration for how you can retain your identity um, as an Orthodox or a halachic, maybe halachic is the better term. Um, <laughs> right. depends, but, it depends who you're asking. Okay, well, uh, as somebody for whom halacha right. is a priority, um, right while at the same time um, being true to yourself in a way that would not break you. What happens next? So next, I, um, uh, I've, I've more or less have come out to, in a sense, everyone I wanted to, mm -hmm. to come out to. Mm -hmm. um, but I was still not out, you know, with a capital O, like feeling comfortable, which in my definition of it, it was, it was feeling comfortable that anyone would know that meaning if one of the people I had told would tell it to another person, would I feel like a breach of trust or something? Mm -hmm. um, and I also kind of realized that among other things and not just actually in the area of my sexuality, but among other things, as much as I'd loved living in the yeshiva and being in the yeshiva, that it was stifling, that um, I wasn't fully able to express myself. And one of the ways was, you know, would I really be able to be out there would I be able to date who I wanted there? Um, and just, and in other ways also to express myself. And I was, you know, at the time uh, studying, in, and I still am 
studying in, in Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And so I decided, you know, it, it, it's around time that I, I move out, move to the city. Uh, and, and that was like that following summer, that's, that's what I did. I moved in uh, into apartment with some friends. Um, and I just all of a sudden started, you know, living kind of like what felt like a fuller life in a sense, like as in, uh, I still, you know, maintained a strong connection with the yeshiva. I would go back there constantly, uh, really until COVID, honestly, I was constantly, constantly back there, uh, you know, either schmoozing with people or learning or just kind of, you know, a mm. regular visitor. Um, but I loved that all of a sudden having like the space where I could, you know, express myself I could I started I, at that point I started dating men as well um, and and then started considering myself out like I just it stopped bothering me if people knew and I, I made a point of kind of mentioning it and mm -hmm. um, I'd also then become more active uh, with Havruta and so they they made this big Facebook post of an interview and and that was like when everyone really found out and I got all these messages <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> never told you, but yeah, that's true. Um, and, and that was kind of like, just, it was actually a really good experience because like me, I guess, I guess, you know, maybe it's not surprising that nobody like decided to message me like a homophobic response or something, but it was nice. All the messages that I got that were really positive yeah. and encouraging and everything which in a sense wasn't something that I had known that I needed, mm -hmm. um, but it was really nice to get. Um, yeah. And then actually around that same time, I then be started becoming involved in IGI, which is the Israeli gay youth organization in Israel. Mm -hmm. um, it's both for high schoolers and like young, early 20 year olds. Um, and they have a program for, uh, for queer youth from, from a religious background of learning in a baby drash. Um, it was originally uh, monthly meetings and, you know, just kind of like learning through some sort of, sort of Torah shir. Mm -hmm. And so they, I started getting involved with that, meaning help run it, helping prepare it. And all of a sudden for me, like after years of, of learning in yeshiva, that became like also like just a real space of my own of just, two things that I, I, I guess I really loved. I mean, I, I, at that point I felt really comfortable with myself and I felt I like loved the fact that I was queer. Yeah. And I also loved the fact that I really loved Torah and was then able to combine those two identities. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to today. Yeah. Um, you're out. You're volunteering for Iggy and uh, active in Chavruta and also Shoval. Mm -hmm. um what are you up to today so today i am um finishing my degree in uh, hebrew university and mm -hmm. i don't know what i'm moving on to next and mm -hmm. it's kind of actually exciting because i feel like until now and as part of this journey that i've i've had like i've always been in a system and like had goals and like clear outline and i'm i'm actually excited to kind of finish with that and just kind of be in a space where I'll have to, you know, decide where I want to work or, you know, find mm -hmm. or what I want to do. And like, I'm, I'm excited for that challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm just really enjoying, um, yeah, you know, being out and, and, you know, just really just like enjoying the freedom that, that kind of this whole 
experience has has given me mm-hmm. and i think and and this is like one of these crazy things that i've only realized more and more over the last year or two which is how much i now allow myself to be myself and not just in areas of my sexuality that you know um it has in some ways it has to do with how i dress you know i'm a little i i now dress the way i want which i in some ways i had not before um and like sometimes i look at old pictures of myself and i just I don't even kind of know who I'm looking at. Um, and I just feel more comfortable, you know, being in honest conversations with my friends mm-hmm. about really anything. And it's just a great feeling all the time. Has that changed at all how you show up in religious spaces? So it has a bit. It's also been a little funny because of COVID. Right. So right. so a lot of that process happened Um during COVID and uh, recently, like I've, I've, you know, been double vaccinated now, uh, thank God for more than a month. And uh, you know, so I've been going to Shul again and it has been kind of funny, like all of a sudden, um, me not like, not that I felt like I always wore, you know, maybe more flamboyant things, whatever, but like a lot of that expanded during, during uh, COVID and, so I still wear a lot of that to show, but I'm a little bit more conscious of it uh-huh. than, than maybe I would like to. That is definitely a goal to like feel also in show being comfortable mm-hmm. um, with how, how I want to dress. I'm happy though that at least in other spaces, I, I do like, you know, walking around or going to yeah. school or whatever, feel comfortable. But it is, it is funny kind of now navigating that space um, Jason, I think you're the only person I know whose wardrobe expanded during COVID <laughs> with anything other than sweatpants. <laughs> there was a great, well, first of all, I did some online shopping and there was also a great, you know, two months in Israel where the malls were open in the summer and I just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great time. <laughs> uh, after like three months at home, my, you know, uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> okay. Well, is there any message that you would like to share with somebody who is in a similar situation that a young Jason was, um, who's just starting off their journey? Um, well, I'd like them to know that it, it can be done and that it's an option and that whatever identity they end up settling with is valid. Um, I think for me, what was so lacking was the amount of real role models. I mean, I had known that bi people existed, but people, tangible existing people mm-hmm. that they can do it. And I mean, it's not always easy and it's not, you know, simple, but what they are feeling is real and what they're feeling is valid. Mm-hmm. And that if they want to be religious, that they can also be religious. And there is a way of doing that and it's fulfilling and it's true. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a great, great opportunity. Thank you. That concludes today's episode. We want to thank Jason again for being so generous with his time and for sharing his story with us. If you have a story that you'd like to share, or if there are topics that you'd like to see covered, please reach out to us by visiting queeryid.com.